Hi, my name is Leslie Koff, and this is the podcast, Breathing Out Stars. I know a man, this one man, and when he was little, he wanted to be a superhero. He called himself Anything Man. When he was eight years old, he thought that he could do anything. Now there are many things that he can do. He can get up in the morning and walk the dog, all while wearing his Don't Talk to Me Before I've Had My Hydroxychloroquine t-shirt. I have to admit, I love superheroes. I mean, in some ways, everyone loves superheroes. Otherwise, those superhero movies wouldn't do so well. But I have to say, I really love them. More than anything, I think we all would like to depend on one person, like one person who, who could save us. But you know, and I've said this before on my podcast, everyone has a part to play. And you have a specific part to play. The superhero that you are looking for is you. I heard recently that this guy who works for Marvel is leaving his job after many years because he feels as though he has contributed to the idea that one person will save us. But at this point, he feels like in our world, in this world, the only way we are going to get through is to understand that we are all supposed to help each other We are supposed to save each other. Everyone has a part that they're supposed to play. I was listening to this Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto yesterday, a favorite of my husband and my uncle, and I was thinking about this week's podcast. Each of those wonderful notes, all of the notes played by the soloist or by any and all of the people in the orchestra on any or all of their beautiful instruments, any and all of them. The individual notes are not the important ones by themselves. It is how they construct a melody, a phrase, an arrangement, anything. The magic happens when everybody plays their part. I have this one poem to share. This is by a man named Edward Hirsch. I think it's, it might describe this time for many people. When I saw this poem, I thought, oh my goodness, this completely describes this period of time for me. So here it goes. It's called After a Long Insomniac Night by Edward Hirsch. I walked down to the sea in the early morning. After a long insomniac night, I climbed over the giant gull-colored rocks and moved past the trees, tall dancers stretching their limbs and warming up in the blue light. I entered the salty water, a penitent whose body was stained, and swam toward a red star rising in the east, regal, purple-robed. One shore disappeared behind me, and another beckoned in front. I confess that I forgot the person that I had been as easily as the clouds drifting overhead. My hands parted the water, the wind pressed at my back, wings, and my soul floated over the white-capped waves. See what I mean? 
Do you remember that story of the Israelites who are running from Egypt? Remember how they escaped slavery, running out of town? For a long time, I've thought about their plight and how this image of them running from Egypt and towards, well, who knows what, is also emblematic of our situation. We move from danger to uncertainty. We are moving from danger to uncertainty. We move toward the Reed Sea. We don't know if we are trapped. But there is this one story of this one man. I don't know if he really lived. But his, his name in the story is Nachshon. He steps in to the sea. He just steps into it. He walks forward. He keeps walking. Imagine that his community behind him is standing on the shore wondering what he is doing, if he is crazy, if he is committing suicide, if he has lost his mind. He keeps walking. The water is now up to his knees, beyond his knees. It's beyond his hips. It's rising above his chest, his chin. His distressed community is behind him and calling to him, Nakshon, stop, are you nuts? What are you doing? But you know, he keeps walking, and the water is above his mouth now, which he has closed, and his nose, and now there's no air. There is no air, only water. And as he keeps walking all at once, there's a sound of water rushing, and his eyes don't get wet. Instead, they see the water level dropping as they see a cleft form between two walls of water parting from each other. And in the distance, Nakshon sees the distant shore, and he keeps walking. The only way forward is forward. This time, everyone follows him. Like in the poem, one shore disappeared behind me and another beckoned. I confess that I forgot the person I had been. So they're all walking through the cleft in the water now. They're moving from danger to uncertainty because they have to. We have to. Our only way forward is also forward. It's not superpowers that Nakshon has, but he does possess a deep understanding and an acknowledgement that there is no turning back. And I think, if the story were real, that Nakshon would also understand that he is made different by the experience. The only way forward is forward, so he keeps walking. We don't have a choice. We have to continue. As the waters rise, we trust that if we keep walking, they will recede. But at that time, you know, Nachshon walked into the water, not knowing that there was going to be some sort of story about them parting. He didn't know that. There was no story. He had no expectation that the waters would clear away for him. But he just kept going. Are we completely nuts as we step into the water to make it through this time, as we let the future pull us forward, even if it doesn't feel so good? Are we completely nuts as the water covers our ankles, our knees, our hips, rising over our chests? We are walking through. The water is cold, and we are still walking. One shore disappeared behind me, and another beckoned. I confess that I forgot the person I had been. So there is this movie about the story of Noah, another water thing. It's called Evan Almighty. It was made maybe in the last 15, 20 years. In this movie, a congressman, 
uh, who's played by, what's his name? What's his name? Come on, come on, somebody tell me. Uh, Steve Carell. Yeah, Steve Carell. A congressman, played by Steve Carell, gets messages from God, Morgan Freeman, that he's supposed to build an ark. Well, one morning, a huge shipment of gopher wood appears on his driveway. Animals begin to appear at his house, of course, two by two. They call him the New York Noah, and his wife has had just about enough. She takes their three children, and she heads out to her mother's house. What is it always about? I'm taking the kids and going to my mother's. Come on. She and the boys, her boys, stop at a diner along the road. When she unknowingly meets up with God, Morgan Freeman, who she doesn't know is God. Okay. Now here's their conversation. And you're going to get me doing this in dramatic interpretation. And yes, there's a point to all this. So here, dramatic interpretation. Here we go. Oh, by the way, her name is Joan. Joan says, excuse me, can I get a refill, please? God, remember, this is Morgan Freeman, coming right up. Joan, uh, thank you. God, uh, excuse me, are you all right? Joan, yeah, yeah. God looks at her unconvinced. Uh, no, actually, it's a long story. God says, well, you know, I like stories. I'm considered a bit of a storyteller myself. Joan says, oh, my husband, uh, have you heard of the New York Noah? God, chuckling, that guy who's building the ark? Joan says, yeah, that's him. God says, I love that story, Noah and the ark. You know, a lot of people miss the point of that story. They think it's about God's wrath and anger. They love it when God gets angry. Joan says, what is that story about then, the ark? God says, well... I think it's a love story. It is a love story about believing in each other. You know, the animals, they show up in pairs. They stand together by each other, side by side, just like Noah and his family. Everyone entered the ark side by side. Joan says, but my husband says God told him to do it. What am I supposed to do with that? God says, well, that sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they pray for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them the, an opportunity to be courageous? If someone prays for their family to be closer, do you think God just zaps them with warm and fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? So let me just tell you, this is me again talking. So what happens is she looks at him and she goes and she gets her boys and she puts them in the car and they go back to help her husband build the ark. You get it? This whole thing that we are doing is an opportunity for us, an opportunity to love each other, to be together. Look. It takes superpowers to continue to go forward, to continue to fight. There are, have been several days this week where it took superpowers for me to get through the day. Maybe you too, I don't know. It takes superpowers to continue to fight when you have lost, when you have lost somebody, when you have lost a generation, when you have lost power. 
And when you know that it is time to conserve your power, when you know there is nothing that you can do, you just have to wait for things to change because it takes superpowers to keep going. It takes superpowers to stay positive, to hold your head high. Like in the poem, one shore is disappearing behind you as you swim forward into the early morning. Keep swimming. Step into the Reed Sea. You can do it. In so many ways, we are all anything man. Thank you for joining us. This has been Breathing Out Stars, and I'm Leslie Koff.